Three C's in a Pod, a weekly podcast from Provision Advisors. A look at the good, the bad, and the what could be better in the world of communication. Hello and welcome to Three C's in a Pod from Provision Advisors, where we give you insights and analysis on the day's hot topics and trends from a communications angle. And we want to begin today with a review of what is top of mind around the globe and talk about our collective thoughts on how we've been moving forward thus far. Uh, We'll also discuss a little bit about employee communications in the age of social distancing. And then we're going to wrap up this week with what our outlook is for the days and weeks ahead. So let's jump right in. John, I'll go to you. We're at about week two or so of self-isolation and social distancing. So uh, what say you? What are are you looking at? So I'm looking at, as the the token Maryland resident in this threesome, uh, the the work by Governor Hogan and his team, uh, something I've been tracking very closely, both in person and on social media. So Count me is very impressed with my uh, with my governor's uh, reaction and poise and communications during this uh, crisis. I, I think we can harken back to graphics that we shared on social media and on our site, um, our blog posts, uh, things that you know that you should be and things you should not be. And I really do believe, not to sound like a sycophant, that Governor Hogan has done it very, very well in Maryland. He's been measured. He has not been someone uh, who has copycatted the the other governors. He's been in close comms with the Andrew Cuomo's of the world and the Gretchen Whitmer's to to determine what the best path is for the state. But the the path has been very uh, decidedly Maryland, not not. Uh, in line with what Trump has said and unsaid and promised and then walked back, said is going to happen and then called aspirational. Uh, Hogan has been very confident in what he's done. He's been, he's had a, a regular op tempo, having press conferences at set times. And then I'll end with this. His press person, Mike Ritchie, um, and if you don't follow him, uh, do it on Twitter uh, at M I K E R I C C I. He's Hogan's communications guy. He's just been great, uh, just tireless, responding to every single question posed to him on Twitter by reporters, by elected officials, by regular Joes here in Maryland. What can I do? Can I do this? Can I not do that? And the timeliness of this is that about uh, six hours ago, uh, Hogan ramped it up a little bit and followed the lead of other states uh, and, and issued a shelter-in-place uh, edict uh, where, you know, we were talking about before the pod went on, it, it doesn't really change too much, but it just, it codifies the idea that this is serious, people are dying, stay in your house. Uh, and Mike Ricky, uh, Richie has been very, very good in responding to people and, and be getting compliments all over the place, most notably by WBAL 11, um, the NBC affiliate in Baltimore, about how good he is. Um, just, you know, no talking points, no bullshit. Just this is what you can do and this is what you can't do. Uh, this is why we're concerned. Hey, I'm getting reports that media are trying to flood into this uh, assisted living facility in Carroll County where there have been 66 people diagnosed. Please don't do that. That's dumb. Um, and it and it belies a lot of the things that we that we talk about on this pod about having talking points about having uh, you know messaging that's that's in line with the themes that you want and communication plans. And in, in a time of crisis, sometimes you just got to be present and you have to be truthful and you have to be good. And that's what they've been. Um, 
these are tough times. You know, my, my kids took it hard, the, the shelter in place order. I haven't seen my father in two and a half weeks. He's in an assisted living facility and it's been made more difficult by the fact that he lost his phone, which is a story for another day, um, but very frustrating. But in the midst of all of this frustration, I, I really believe the state of Maryland has done a good job. Um, you know, the great thing about this business is that one of us is in Maryland, one of us is in Virginia, and one of us is in D.C. So we have three different examples to look at and cross-examine and break down. And uh, so I'd be interested to see what you guys have, have observed in your states. Uh, but I'll end with saying we're, we're hunkering in there, we're, we're okay, but it's certainly becoming more for real with each day. Thanks, John. Appreciate that. Um, and uh, we'll continue to, uh, to definitely keep you, your family, and your father in prayer. I uh, just wanted to say that. Uh, Chris, I'm going to throw to you. Uh, you're in Virginia, and we saw uh, the governor issue his uh, statement. So why don't you uh, take us through where you are, what you've seen the past couple of weeks, and what you feel about today. I appreciate John's comments. I mean, I won't go through uh, what Virginia has done right and wrong, uh, other than to say that, um, you know, I think there's lots of examples of strong gubernatorial leadership around the country. There's lots of examples of leadership, both good and bad, that from a communicator and from a citizen, uh, you can keep an eye on really day in and day out. I wanted to uh, um, share two observations as we run through this first segment. The first is on disinformation. Um, you, you know, information is our business, and we spend a lot of time talking about what works, what doesn't work, both at home and, and abroad. And I, I am struck by just how much the information environment is not only crowded, I, I think that's obvious given the crisis, but how um, manipulated it, it has become. I don't remember in a modern crisis it being this manipulated. I mean, we've served through wars, we've served through natural disasters, we've served through goods and bads, and there's always a bit of manipulation by whoever seems to have the high ground or the loudest uh, megaphone. But um, given the themes and messages coming out of China, given the themes and messages coming out of even our European allies, and then certainly the themes and messages being pushed on the many sides here at home. It is something to watch if you're a communication professional, and probably more importantly, if you're a citizen. And it, it has become, I think, very hard for people to really figure out what ground truth is. So that, that's my first observation. The second observation is about service. I am really struck by how big the service industry has stepped up. I had the occasion last night to go to Safeway near our house. And uh, again, it, it, it just, I was really touched just by how hard the people in there were working to stock shelves and make sure that things were, you know, as soon as they came in the back, they were put in the store area so that people could buy the staples that they need and even the comfort items that, that they need. We've come from a profession for the last 20 years where people have gone out of their way to praise and thank our individual service. I mean, how many times have you heard, hey, thank you for your service, or hey, get this discount, get that discount? Boy, I'll tell you what, I, I am really struck and I am really thankful for the service of those people that work in 
grocery stores, for the FedEx guy, the Amazon guy and gal, the people that have delivered uh, food from local restaurants. Amidst all of the bullshit and all of the bad that is associated with this, it, it's kind of some good that you can really wrap your arms and your heart around and just how much these people have stepped up to the plate and done what we rely on them to do. Thanks, Chris. We really appreciate that. John had mentioned that we're this, uh, you know, this this three-headed uh, conglomerate with with one of us in Maryland, one in Virginia, and and then myself uh, here in D.C. One thing that struck me today, seeing uh, what Governor Hogan, Governor Northam did, was you you obviously then, you know, or at least for me, was okay. D.C. What what what's going to happen here? I understand being in the seat of government, uh, Mayor Bowser uh, may have to, you know, communicate. Well, I'm sure she does has to communicate with the White House about how they're going to move forward. Um, I know going back, it's probably two, maybe a little bit more than two weeks now, uh, she was very proactive in shutting down, uh, shutting down the bars and restaurant scene uh, here in D.C. Uh, we have yet to get an order uh, in, in terms of sheltering in place. I know there were um, sort of neighborhood by neighborhood, maybe sector by sector, or quadrant by quadrant rather, uh, people stepping up maybe through their ANCs um, or council members um, taking steps to ensure that that neighborhoods um, were taking the, the the message seriously about social distancing uh, and, and, and self-isolation so it, it will be uh, eye-opening to see if 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 now or just the amount of time it takes before DC steps up uh, and does the same thing here with with putting a curfew uh, in place or, or, or just a, a simple shelter in place and stay at home um, to its residents. Um, I, you know, I have a unique perspective. Um, we, we talked about this a little bit before uh, on the podcast. Um, I'm in a situation uh, just from a personal uh, standpoint where uh, my children are not here with me every day. Uh, they also live in Washington, D.C. Uh, they are with their mother right now. Um, so you have to be very careful. Um, that that's one thing. Looking back over the past couple of weeks, um, you know, what are you exposing your children to? What are you exposing your family members to? Um, so we're in a situation right now where the children are going to be um, in in one uh, one particular location uh, while I continue to self isolate uh, where I am uh, here in Southeast DC, uh, and and it's just. You know that that's a part of the reality, right? This is something that's unfolding each and every day. We're we're, we're taking necessary steps uh, to make sure that family members, uh, friends, neighbors are, are all safe and in, in, in doing the right thing. Um, one thing I, I, you know, Chris, you talked about the disinformation. Um, I haven't been paying as close attention um, to, uh, I, like, I can I understand how to keep my own house uh, in in order. Uh, but trying to to maybe look at um, what's going on to the left and to the right of me, uh, I believe we need to pay a little bit more attention to that. What exactly are our neighbors doing? What are what are um, folks around us doing to make sure that they're getting uh, the right information? Uh, because we know that um, it, it's it's going to take a community, right? It's a community effort here uh, in order to do the right thing and to move us uh, towards a better place. So, um, as I, you know, just looking back over over the past couple of weeks. Um, I think some folks got it early, and by got it, I mean understood what what the the dire nature of this uh, of this virus um, could bring. And I think maybe some people right now, especially with what we saw in Maryland and Virginia, 
it was kind of like a, you know, a, a smack to the senses, like, hey, look, this is real. Um, we have to we have to take the necessary precautions. And, and, and now uh, folks who may have been uh, thinking a little bit more cavalierly about how they were living uh, really need to start taking some things seriously uh, as we move forward. And I'll, I'll end that right there unless uh, anyone wants to comment. Um, I do. Yeah, um, please go ahead. So I, I thought about this today and, and I won't waste too much time with it, but I think that the three of us and a lot of our peers are the, the unique witnesses of two events in our lifetimes which we can adequately say are without precedent and hopefully without um, any kind of follow-up or, or repeat, and that is 9-11 and this. And we've talked about the unique approach that our country took to responding to this at the beginning. Much has been said about the commander-in-chief's delay at the beginning and, and whether he and his staff used the word hoax to describe this at the, at the nascent stages of the outbreak, and, and they called it just a China problem, and, and now it's an us problem. You know, one of my right. best friends in the world who works in the White House, uh, his family has COVID, and um, we don't know if he has it yet, and I don't want to cause a national security stir here, but this keeps getting closer and closer to home. And, and with each time that you refresh Twitter or, or watch the nightly news, you, know, you see bodies getting loaded in the trucks in mass in Brooklyn. Um, all of a sudden, this has a 9-11 feel to it, but it's been a slow burn, whereas 9-11 happened so quick that in the course of two and a half hours, the world changed. Now in the course of two and a half, weeks to a month and a half, the world has changed for us. You know, shit, Chris and I were in Vegas a month ago. Uh, like nothing was up, like there was no big deal. Um, but the, the slow burn of this has been very interesting to watch. And I only bring it up, I'm gonna make a lot of our fans upset here by, by using the very term I promise we'd never use again. From a communications perspective, it, it's interesting to watch how it has evolved and I've gone back and looked at articles at the very beginning of this that, that truly did talk about this like it was nothing. You know, it's, it's across the pond, it's a China thing. Um, it's here, but it's only affecting old people. Um, I'll be very blunt with you, I'm, I'm scared to death and I'm not scared to death for me. I'm really scared for my kids because I know for a fact I've been around people who had it and have it and um and and i think it's this slow burn that has either caused people like like numb nuts down in charles county maryland to throw parties with 60 people and and, and bring out the the anger of of governor hogan by doing that and, and getting publicly shamed for it as he should um or people who just didn't think that they had to that they had to shelter in place. Uh, and, and whether this order from Governor Hogan today for people to stay in their homes gets followed or not, I don't know. But to, to live through these times, to watch 9-11 take place over the course of two and a half hours, and now we're gonna watch COVID affect us over the course of two and a half months, this is where I start to look at communications. And I think that we're going to talk about this in the next segment. So maybe I'll be the segue that 
how people are communicating with their um, with their peers, with their employees, knowing that this has had so many chapters, this has gone on so long. This is not crisis communications when Steve Petropoli and Becky Brenton went up to the Sitco station, you know, there at the Pentagon right after the planes flew into the building and held a press conference. This is more of a a long drawn out process where you have to be very thoughtful and, and very judicious in your communications. And you have to understand that the stock market might continue to go up and, and way, 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 way down. Um, you know, you, you, you might have a lot of crises of confidence uh, among your people. Just wait. Yeah. The thought of me being in my home until April 30th with my three kids who are just wanting to do anything uh, is, is almost a little bit daunting to me. Um, and, and who knows where people will be in two weeks, but that's the thing that's unique to me that this has taken so long to develop and it now has so much longer to take before we even get close to some sort of reconciliation or finality. Whereas after nine 11, you know, we, we needed George Bush to stand out there with a megaphone as the buildings were still smoldering behind him and say that all the terrorists would hear from us soon and we were all bunged up and ready to rock and, and serve and, and defeat the enemy. It's hard to tell your people to defeat the enemy by staying and watching Netflix. And to have both of those things happen in our lifetime seems very unique to me and disheartening, to be honest with you. Uh, gentlemen, a little bit of uh, real-time news here on Three Season a Pod. Uh, the mayor of Washington, D.C. has just issued uh, 12 minutes ago a shelter-in-place uh, for Washington, D.C. This has just gone out. Uh, I'm receiving the press release right now. Um, so not only the, uh, the state of Maryland, uh, the state of Virginia, but now the District of Columbia uh, has been issued a uh, shelter-in-place. We wanted to talk a little bit about how um, companies, organizations, folks are communicating uh, with their employees in the age of social distancing uh, with this virus. We know we have essential businesses that are being asked uh, to remain open. Uh, but even with businesses that are shut down, we know we're, we're definitely facing some people who are, who are going to be unemployed, uh, don't know for how long, um, definitely a crisis for, for more than, than just a few households about how they uh, go about living from, from day to day and getting their thing, the necessary items that they need. But we want to talk a little bit about um, how, how people are, are actually communicating with their employees. How do you go about um, keeping people up to date? How do you go about uh, even, even doing work if, you, if you're teleworking? Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, what what are some of the what are some of the do's, what are some of the don'ts uh, in terms of how you keep effective communication uh, with your employee base. Anyone want to jump on that first? John, you uh, <laughs> you said so many great things um, in that segue. I, I was trying uh, as hard as I could to to write down um, as many things as I wanted to, to pile on, um, and I wanted to start with this idea of. Moving from crisis to a new reality, a new normal, whatever it, it may be, because I think you're right. And I think that the communication um, from leaders in a company or leaders in an organization kind of has to follow that. Uh, I, I mean, it almost becomes the normal within the crisis, right? I mean, you'll have a, 
you know, the crisis began at some point and it'll end by a definition standpoint. It's kind of when you go back to normal. And so we're still weeks, months away from normal, but you have to, for the sake of your organization and the sake of the psyche of the employees that are part of that organization, you have to try to find um, a new normal. Uh, we, we lived through this. A lot of people did after 9-11 um, in the weeks and months that were still pretty scary. And anytime you heard a loud bang or a car uh, backfire, you wondered if it was another attack. The first thing I would say is, is you know, finding that new normal is going to be very important without losing perspective of the, the big picture. You also mentioned uh, George Bush and his moment of standing on what was the fire truck or whatever he stood on there down at ground zero. And I hear you and pretty soon those responsible will hear you. Uh, you know, he, he told to the group that was surrounding him. And you, you juxtapose that sort of call for action to this idea of like sit on your couch and stay away from people. And I think that's what a lot of individuals and organizations are struggling with is as Americans, typically whenever something bad has happened in our history, the reaction has been to go do something. Pearl Harbor is bombed. We jump into World War II. Um, you know, there are a number of different things throughout the Cold War that occurred and there was, it was normally followed by some action. 9-11 occurred and, you know, people were encouraged to get back to normal. And right now, people are being encouraged to isolate. And I think as Americans, we're having a hard time with that. And so the, I think as such, a lot of employers are, are having a hard time ferreting out what their new employee comms approach looks like within that new normal. Um, I'll wrap up by saying this. I, I think that um, if you're a leader or if you are in charge of um, an organization's uh, communication effort, you need to think about three things. Um, one is the technology that you have available to you to stay in touch with your folks. We, we mentioned this in a previous call, um, but you really need to make sure that the channels, which are likely some are the same, but some are going to be different. You got to make sure that those channels are reliable and your folks know where to go to get communication. So you really got to draw on that technology. The second is the battle rhythm in which you share those uh, messages and updates. Uh, your folks really need to be able to rely on that. And then the third is, is you have to figure out how to be sincere um, across mediums that are not, uh, that don't lend themselves to sincerity. Uh, social media is not the most um, sincere of mediums. Zoom is not the most sincere. Podcasts are not. How do your folks feel that emotion that typically is, uh, is felt in person-to-person um, -person interaction? How do you find that sincerity over this new technology? That is the real challenge, I think, in all three of those areas for employee comms. Chris, you're yeah, and, and uh, go, go, I'm sorry, jump John, in really ahead, quick please. before Bashan finishes off the the and I'll use this as a criticism and I'll be quick, I promise. But at the very beginning of this, I, I can't shake the image of seeing uh, Florida Representative Matt Gates take to social media and poke fun at the quote unquote hoax of this at the beginning by putting on what looked like an MCU to papa, you know, your standard military gas mask, 
standing in his office, talking to a staffer, reviewing, I don't know, some piece of legislation or a memo, and he took to social media to make fun of the gravity of it. And I can't shake that. And, and I'm gonna eschew the opportunity to criticize the commander in chief for vacillating all over the place uh, from the very beginning of this when he did nothing, when he called it a hoax, when he said it was under control, when he said we had more ventilators than we did, when he said that people could get tests but they really couldn't. I'll, I'll stop short because he's been getting uh, his fair share of criticism via all the medium. But, you know, Matt Gates and, and people like him should take, and I'm going to go full circle here, should take a note from Larry Hogan here about the severity of this. That as you communicate to your people, you have no idea that for some people it might be a joke, it might be an inconvenience, but for a lot of people, it scares the living shit out of them. And you have to communicate consistently. Um, you might think it's funny to you, but that, that's not a very empathetic way of number one, being a leader, number two, being a communicator. And, and I, I don't want him to get some royal comeuppance. I, 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 I'm too worried about my own family and my own kids for that. But people need to take note that as a boss, as a leader, as the head of a company or as a congressman from the state of Florida, you owe the people who look to you, um, you owe them an example, you owe them a measured response, you owe them maturity. And so act with it, communicate with it. Um, that, that gas mask photo now, uh, particularly now as I sit here worried that I'm gonna get it because friends of mine who I've been around in the last week have it, uh, it really pisses me off. And, and uh, I haven't seen a single apology from him on that. Um, not that some mea culpa from him scratches a proverbial itch in my world, but I want CEOs and small business owners and elected officials to take note of the fact that social media often lures people into this world of being cutesy, of being like Rex Chapman on Twitter, who's just now has worldwide appeal for for the funny and for the sardonic and and the and the really unique comedy that that gets delivered on his social media channel when you're an elected official or a ceo that's not that's not what you do you're that's what you've sacrificed for getting paid millions of dollars to lead people so don't do it because i i personally am and now with each passing day with with the severity of this ramping up, I get more and more bitter about that photo, more and more bitter about how, how he approached this with such lack of seriousness um, that, that is unlike, it, it, it fails to meet the standard of what we should expect our elected officials to meet. That's all I have to say about that. Thanks, John. Um, really not a whole lot more I can say on top of uh, those, those very genuine and sincere words you just expressed. Um, accountability, right? It's what it boils down to. Accountability. Uh, we are we are in this together. Uh, I don't care, you know, what what state you're in, um, you know, what 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 town. What at this point, you know, what country. Um, we we need to hold each other 
um, accountable uh, for for us getting through this safely, um, and 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 with the best intentions uh, for getting uh, for getting our nation forward, for getting our communities forward, for getting our households forward, uh, and keeping one another healthy and alive. Um, bosses out there. Um, need to have an understanding for their employees down. I don't care if it's a, a dishwasher or a, uh, a truck loader or, or um, secretary, doctor, whatever. Just think about your employees. Think about what they're having to go home to um, and what they're losing, what they're sacrificing. Uh, and, and, and please put them at the forefront. Just, just put them at the forefront. Um, do for them as you would want do done f- for yourself. And I'll, I'll leave that right there. Uh, Chris, I'm going to jump to you. Um, the, the days and weeks ahead, uh, we're, we're dealing with this almost by the hour. As you saw, we had breaking news here in the midst of the podcast. Uh, that's definitely going to affect um, uh, myself, my household, uh, as you all have, have had uh, to deal with your announcements today for your particular states. Um, so look, man, just tell me, you know, what are you looking for in the days and weeks ahead as this continues to unfold? Yeah, I'll riff off of the comment that John made about, you know, being scared to death. Um, And and I I guess I I hadn't really thought of it that way, but I mean, it it, it does kind of dovetail into uh, that that sentiment. Um, It's kind of at three levels, what what I'm looking at over the, the, you know, next couple of days, weeks and and beyond. One is just how bad will this really get? Uh, you, You know, how many people will actually be touched by this? How many people will die? Uh, what effect will it have on us as a business? Uh, what effect will it have on other businesses? I mean, you know, beyond uh, the health crisis, I mean, how, how will this uh, affect our business life? And then what does this mean for the way we live as Americans? Um, I, I think all of us are coming to the, um, are starting to grasp the gravity of the lasting impacts, certainly from an economic standpoint, but I also think from an American way of life standpoint, there are some significant changes that are going to come out of this, whether it's people moving to different areas, whether it's how we socialize as a group of people. Um, so th- those are the three things that I'm uh, kind of looking at here and as I look out over the next weeks and months. Thanks, Chris. John, over to you. Uh, I share Chris's sentiment that First and foremost, I'm worried about the health of my family. Secondly, I'm worried about the health of our business and, and whether we're able to maintain um, our ability to pay the bills. But the, the second I start getting worried about that, and this is for all of you people in the military who are at 10 or 11 or 12 years uh, and considering whether you make this a career, the three of us are the benefactors of getting a VA disability check a month and a Navy retirement every month, and it allows us to make sure that there are eggs in the morning and, and burgers in the evening and Netflix uh, to, uh, to entertain us and, and web connectivity for our kids to do online schools. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I would encourage people out there who are making a decision about their future in the military uh, to take into consideration the fact that that the military retirement allows you to survive at times when people can't. And, and I feel almost ridiculous saying that and that Chris was talking before about people who work in grocery stores, people who work as bartenders, people who work at Macy's, you know, Macy's coming out today talking about 
furloughing 125,000 people. Uh, we haven't even, I believe, we haven't even seen the, uh, uh, we haven't even seen base camp on our way up to the summit here. Right. Uh, I think it gets worse and worse and worse. And I think that unemployment between 20 and 30% is very possible. A Dow Jones index that ends below 13,000 um, is very, very possible. And, and that will completely change everything that we have going on. And, and Dr. Fauci yesterday, and, and then again this morning on the Today Show, doubling down on the fact that it's very possible that between 100 and 200,000 people die, not in China, in America, um, and it doesn't really matter where they are. That's 200,000 people. So this is what I was talking about with the 9-11 thing. You know, on 9-11, in, in the snap of the fingers, as it played out on TV, we lost, you know, in the end, between three and 4,000 people uh, through, through completely just troubling acts of terrorism. And, and this is a new way of looking at that, that we're going to lose between 100 and 200K before it's all done. And, and I truthfully believe, and I hope I'm wrong, I, I I'm looking out on the horizon and expecting it to be July 1st. And we are just at that point, just coming out of our homes and, and trying to, and trying to find a way to recover, trying to find a way to rebuild communities, rebuild local economies, rebuild confidence in going to a restaurant without getting sick. Um, how do you do that? There are a lot of communications challenges on the horizon not only for elected officials, but for business owners to convince people that they should come out and get back to life as they know it. But, you know, you, you, you stick people in their homes for three to four months just with their kids uh, and Netflix, and, and people are going to forget what the normal was. So I'm looking right. forward to the horizon where we educate people about what normal can be again and how we get there, and, and hopefully our business is still solvent to the point where we can help people with them. Definitely. Thank you, John. I really appreciate that. Um, you know what, as, as I look over the next couple of days and weeks, the one thing, and, and we, we each have children uh, very near uh, in, in the same age group, um, I, I think a lot about their clarity, um, you know, their, their resiliency, um, how, how they are coping day to day. And, and that's John just sort of uh, talking about what, um, what you were looking at in terms of your concerns, you know, for your family and, and just what, what they're seeing at this age. Um, I was, I, I, gosh, I remember, I, I remember in elementary school, you know, just the, the concern was world war three. And I, I remember having to go out in the hallway and, and, you know, put your arms over your head or, or sitting underneath a desk. Um, I remember the, uh, the sort of promo behind the, sh the, I guess it was a television made for television movie the day after. And it, and it, and it scared me. And so now moving forward to 2020 and the coronavirus, just wondering how my children are, because, because this, this is nothing like those drills that we were doing. Not, not to me, uh, what, you know, just sort of looking at through the, through uh, the lens of, of what my children are seeing. So that's something that, uh, you know, as I talk to my children and, and converse with them, it's like, you know, how are you doing? Uh, making sure that that 
they're doing things to stay active and, and, and stay uh, positive in, in their own space. So that, that's something that I can want to continue uh, to concern myself with uh, over these next days and weeks uh, as more things uh, unfold with this virus. Well, yeah, I mean, I was born in 49, a Cold War kid in McCarthy time. You know, I, you and we, the three of us can sing the Billy Joel song about how, you know, our fear was, uh, you know, was the Soviet invasion and, and the Cold War. Um, right. the, the hiding under their desks in an air raid drill is happening right now. That's what our kids are doing. Right. Except they're hiding in their rooms or hiding in their basements or hiding with online learning. They're hiding with uh, Netflix or their phones. Um, you know, yeah. how, how do we how do we allay their fears? That's a challenge for us as communicators and parents. There you go. There you go. Um, folks, I want to thank you for listening today. Uh, we appreciate you joining in on the conversation. Uh, if you're looking for more information on what we've discussed here today as your company or organization or even your household uh, considers how to navigate communicating around the coronavirus, uh, please feel free to reach out to us at provisionadvisors.net. Uh, and until then, Folks, we want you to be mindful. We want you to be safe. Uh, protect yourselves, protect your families, protect your homes, uh, protect your community. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to Three C's in a Pod. Have a great week.